the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Today I want to talk retirement and retirement issues. It's more complicated than ever. We have more nuclear families. Some people get married a second time with kids, sometimes third time with kids. Whoa, there's a lot to process just in that statement right there. We're aging as a society, but we also have a younger group of people that are putting off having kids while they're trying to get their student loans figured out and housing prices figured out. They eventually have kids. And some of the people who are going to be taking care of those kids also have a moniker called grandparents. So it's not just who you marry and how many kids they have and how many times everyone remarries and such. It's it's three generations right there. The grandparents, the kids, the boomers, the Xers, and the millennials. Ultimately is how we should probably say that. I'm going to talk about some of these issues and more. I think we have a new world order. Anytime you hear anyone that says we have a new world order, don't listen to the next thing out of their mouth. I think we're in a paradigm shift. Anytime someone says it's a paradigm shift, take it as a grain of salt, right? Right. My goal is to get you to retirement or continue to work as long as you can until you retire. Or it's up to you to figure this out. The S&P 500 is more than tripled in the last 10 years, saving the golden years for a lot of people. Um, it could get harder. The, the last 10 years have been so good. Do I expect the next 10 years to be that good? Not without creating significant inflation. But again, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, what a party would have. I can't project that far out because we don't know what scenario will come with it. Interest rates were rising in 2019. But then in the end, you had a sinking China, U.S., kind of slowing down the world with a little bit of will they or won't they make a deal. So the next 10 years, it's it's... I'll put it this way. Let me, let me give you an aggressive thought. I know you're saying, don't be toxic. Everything that Apple and Qualcomm, everything that they throw out there that has intellectual property will probably be compromised by China in the next seven years. So we got to stay hustling. You know, as Weezer said, can't stop the hustle, can't fight the hustle. We can't stop hustling because it's going to be stolen. So retirement advisors generally use historical returns when helping people project into the future and project retirement plans. That's a little bit tricky. They should be taking a closer look at assumed expected returns that they're building into retirement plans going forward, ratcheting up simulated savings needs. Because again, we can't really count on the S&P 500 tripling in the next 10 years just because it has in the last 10 years. People won't be able to spend as much throughout their lifetimes if returns start getting a little bit lower. That consumption could slow down the overall economy. So first thing that I kind of want you to think about is look at your age and look at how much money you have. By the time you're 30, I want you to have $100,000 saved. 
Because 100,000 will become 200,000 by the time you're 37. It'll become 400,000 by the time you're 45. It'll become 800,000. Oh, good. Do you see why it becomes 1.6 million in basically your workable life to frame if you can get 100,000 saved by 30? Now, that doesn't mean I want you to take your foot off the gas because I don't know your spending. I don't know if you have a gambling problem. So I would expect lower returns going forward. That's the first thing that I'm expecting. So I feel comfortable with my, my assets. I've got a big, nice round number. I hit my retirement goal number. But now the kind of rules have changed a bit. It's been, I got it there a little bit faster. I can't increase my spending unless I want to drain that pot. So this segment, I want you to come away with one thought. These are good times right now. 2019 markets hit record highs probably 10 plus times. It won't be heady returns forever. And there are going to be bad times. So a good tax-qualified account like a 401k, 403b, 457, it's a great way to save for retirement. But then you start talking about pre-tax and tax investments later in retirement. Roth accounts, lovely after-tax money, I think are very appealing if you think the higher taxes are down the road. If you listen to CFP Chad Burton's show, he does the show here 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. He's got a great podcast. He's very analytical about um, how to fund your, your 401k and how to fund your Roth. And he'll, he'll have an opinion. Even though it's not science, he'll have an opinion based on models. If stocks are more volatile than they were in the past, payout or income annuities could play a greater role in retirement. There's one company that I like their annuities. Most annuities I don't like. I think annuities are oversold to 99% of America. In large part because the person who's selling them is saying, hey, don't you love your family? Don't you want to guarantee income? And they're kind of dropping out. You're going to pay me 6 to 9% for that guarantee. And in reality, it's not a true guarantee. You don't get perpetual income for life. You get your income that you gave them for life. But they, too, are going to have to lower their risk assumptions. If you look at the stock market and said, we doubled, we tripled in the last 10 years, that, you can't build that assumption. And you hope that the pension companies tripled in the last 10 years, their, their assets, but they didn't. So low returns are going to make it tougher for people to hit the rate increases of their Medicare. My mom's medical care every year goes higher. And if you throw in the kind of the, the room and board tied towards senility and, and old timers disease is no good. So retirement's going to be a little bit different. I think you want to work longer if you can. I think you want to expose yourself to more risk while you're younger than you're comfortable with. If that makes sense to you, if you're one of those people where you see the market crack 10% and you just think you made a huge mistake and you can't believe that you worked all that time, stocks aren't for you because 10% corrections are normal. Australia has been using alternative investments and retirement plans for years, 10 to 30% in illiquid assets, private equity, hedge funds, infrastructure. I do kind of like some of the stuff that comes from Australia and New Zealand. New Zealand's got a savings plan when you go to work that you automatically save for your own retirement. It's it's not an option. I would love to see the United States build something like that in. But again, people are like, it's my money. I should do whatever I want with it. I want to go get an AK, AR-45. But you don't have a retirement plan. But yeah, I want to shoot stuff this weekend. And that's the problem. Getting Americans convinced that you have to take care of yourself and not necessarily the government is going to take care of you. Save more now. Plan to spend less when you retire. That's kind of the concept that I really want to get in that segment is that save more now, assume that the rate of returns are going to be lower, assume that this may be as good of times as there are, 
because I could say something kind of mean and cruel. I could say basically every piece of technology that we have, China's going to copy it in the next seven years. So our competitive advantage may not be all that in a bucket of chicken. And the way the Trump administration has handled this administ- uh, the political Want the podcast with music? Uh, Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is Um, at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So I don't want to be too serious about this. In the first segment, I talked about retirement. Maybe these are the golden days. Maybe these are as good as you expect when the market triples in 10 years. I think you have to make an assumption that that's the case. Money in theory doubles every 7.2 years, but I'll be honest with you. We've had a good run. If you go back to the mid-90s, 2020, it's been a really good run. More up years than down more all-time highs than less. The corrections are fast, and they're not grinding. Back when my father was a young man, when you went into a bear market, you went into a bear market for three years. And a lot like one of those telecommunication commercials, it lasted a long time. And it made you crazy. It's like, Every time I put money in the market, stock goes sideways or down. Whoa. So you have to kind of live with that premise. But here's another thing. Retirement means different things to different people. And I have family, parents, and in-laws and things like that, right? And you kind of start looking around. And like You can look around at the people at your office today. Who's saving money? Who's not? Who's worried? Who's not? Who's spending money and who shouldn't be? So one of the areas that I'm kind of emotional about is... I like, I, I want grandparents to be grandparents and not necessarily to be big spenders. I want them to be focusing on family and getting the, the younger generations kind of like back together. And I've got people that I know that all they do is spend their money. They want to die with nothing. They want to leave nothing to their kids. They want to leave nothing to their grandchildren. That's not my kind of idea for a legacy. Now let's talk legacies. Okay. I've got a radio producer. He has no kids. He doesn't care. He should spend until his last day. Um, because his golden days are here. Um, his kids don't need to have golden days because he doesn't have kids. Now, again, I, I see some just crazy stuff. I see people go through inheritances fast. I saw on my family, there's a pretty good story about inheritance that went to three kids. One of them never spent any of it and just socked it away in savings and investments. One of them basically ran out of money in under a year purchasing things at all-time highs, like condos, which in the end, buying real estate is not a bad concept, but assuming that you're going to be good at it is kind of a flaw. So I see a lot of this stuff, right? And my goal is to leave something behind, because I do think the golden years may be here. I'm not taking anything away. I'm not saying that we won't have another tripling in the next 10 years. I'm just saying, that's the best case scenario, right? You have to, to base these scenarios. Now, I'm seeing more and more the grandmothers and grandfathers re, re, kind of like uh, assume responsibility for their children, their grandchildren. Whether it's drug addiction, whether it's cancer, whether it's drug overdoses, kids are wonderful. 
but they're expensive. From age 0 to 17, 250000 plus. That could be a little bit lower. It could be a little bit higher. If you send them to college, another $250,000 roughly in cost and room and board and, and future cost of money. So making a baby is a $500,000 decision if you want to help provide for their college. I know parents that don't want to provide for their kids' college. My mother jokingly said when I was a kid that she wiped poo-poo out of my diaper. And I'm a male, so I have the male parts down there. And she says, if I didn't wipe it, it, it would have rotted and fallen off. I'm like, Mom. Ah! But she's right. She already did everything for me. But, and it's interesting because, like, she's had six kids. Amazing, isn't it? Can you imagine being pregnant for five years of your life? Wow. So anyway, um, one of my brothers is counting on an inheritance. I'm counting on nothing. And the rest of us are in between. Isn't that kind of messed up? Two of my families take care of her. Now, at one point in time, when my father died 25 years ago, I kind of wish that my mother would have um, like started taking care of like babies from the, uh, you know, the court, you know, foster parents. She, could have, she was a good grandmother. So right now, 2.6 million grandmothers are primary caregivers for grandchildren. That number seems a little low to me, 2.6 million. But it shows you that you know, generations are kind of bleeding together. Children's grandparents are raising the, raising them seemingly to, you know, be sometimes due to like special trauma, special needs, trauma, drug situations, trying to give the kids a little bit more stability, um, a lot of chronic health care issues tied towards this grandparents taking care of grandchildren. Now, again, what's the financial drain on that? The cost of a boomerang kid. In the United States, grandparents raising children outside of the foster care system have identified um, ultimately 70% of people on opioids is the case. So the kids somehow get messed up on drugs, and the grandparents come in and take over. Uh, Again, think of when this thing goes through my head, and I can die at any point. I know people younger than me who've died just basically at any point. So I have all my legal paperwork. I got the power of attorney. I got it all. I got the medical directive. You get the trust put together where you talk about where you want your kids to go just in case something happens to you. I don't want to be a financial strain to anyone if they have to take care of my kids. So I got term life insurance. It's really easy to kind of figure out what you need in life if you start like mapping it out. So don't buy whole life. Don't buy variable life. Last segment I said don't buy annuities. They're high-cost, high-commission, high-fee product. Whole life, same thing. Variable life, same thing. There are cases for whole life if you're uber-rich and you want to pass on money in a tax-efficient way to like maybe a charity and while taking care of your family. But when I see the statistics on grandparents taking care of kids more often, I'm like, wow. Grandparents in my life can't. So I had to find a, a couple that kind of reflected my goals and my beliefs in my neighborhood. Um, and I don't want to financially burden them. So they're not grandparents. They're, they're neighbors that would take care of the kids. So I bought term life insurance to basically cover till the kids are 18 to 20. And then after 20, I, I, the kids can go off on their own. And they can inherit dad's money because he's dead. But before that, not quite so much. Little Peter Gabriel taking us to break. How do you feel about being a grandparent taking care of kids? Think about the financial stress on that. Uh, What's your golden year supposed to look like? What's your retirement supposed to look like? What's your inheritance supposed to look like? You should start having these ideas formed. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. 
Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. So this hour, I'm kind of figuring something out. Assume that your expectations for returns should be a little bit lower, even though we're at all-time highs. Don't expect the same results, because there's a phrase on Wall Street, past performance is not indicative of future results. Consult a broker advisor before taking the action on any stocks ever mentioned. It's because of past results. I look at a company like an Apple at a trillion-plus market cap, I go, wow, that's a big number. In theory... You're buying ownership of their future profits. I own shares of Apple. I don't expect them to go up 50% every year. I, I think you could start looking at the, at the balance sheet. You could look at the financial statements. You can look at the cash flow, the share buybacks. And you can find things that you like, and there's probably things that you don't like. Apple, at some point in time, could fire people. And that would actually be a sign that it's a good sign, maybe. Maybe they've overhired. Maybe they've oversaturated. Wall Street likes firing, so it's weird because first and foremost, I'm saying like, okay, don't expect the stock market to triple every 10 years. Lower your expectations. Expect money to double every 7.2, not triple every 10. Now, again, that's coming off a bottom, so that's a little bit easier to pull that feed off after a market correction 10 years ago. Um, But like annuities, I want you to be very careful with. I see way too many annuity salespeople, insurance salespeople. I've got a friend who his kids played soccer with my kids, and I'll be honest with you, he's a sweet man. But when it comes to financial advice, he, he's pretty stupid. He doesn't know what he's, um, he doesn't know the alternatives, and he was trained by his firm to love annuities, to love high cost product, because that's how they make money. Did you ever see that Will Smith movie where he's a homeless person and he suddenly becomes like a, a stock trader? There was a day and age where a company would hire anyone as long as you can get business from your friends and family. And if you couldn't, you were fired after 30 days. And anyone that you did get typically stayed with the firm. Thank you very much. On your way out, um, don't let the door hit you on the way. Good day. Good day. So I'm not a big fan of a lot of insurance products and a lot of annuities. I think it really works well to work with a certified financial planner whose goal is to be a fiduciary. They have a mandate not to do harm. That doesn't mean that they can't figure out a way to do harm. It doesn't mean that they're all legit. Too legit. Too legit to quit. Um, but it's a good designation. I've met higher quality financial professionals who are quote unquote designated as CFP than people who work at like an LPL who are like, you're like, honey, I think I'm going to leave my job. I no longer want to manage like a restaurant. I'm, I'm done with the in and out burger and coming home smelling like grease. Honey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to be a stockbroker, an insurance salesperson. I'm going to help people with their financial decisions. There's a lot of product that you can walk into from a manager of an in and out and not realize you're getting bad product. So let's keep talking a little bit more about this. Um, people stress about money because there are products like annuities that are high cost, high fees that really aren't great product and you shouldn't be in those. And if your mom's in those, I, I feel bad for the person who put them in. I hope karma is a thing. Um, people stress If you own a house in California, you should have a trust. If you have kids. If you don't have kids, who cares? When you're dead, no one cares. But if you have kids, they can get that house in the first year. 
It's protected. There's a lot of your private information that's now protected. It doesn't have to go to probate where some lawyer is going to be appointed to you and he's going to charge you pretty high fees even though you're dead. Or you can have a bulletproof document like a trust. Everyone in California should have a trust if you're at home or have kids. Everyone in California, you should have term life insurance from age 0 to 17. I'm a high-income earner from 0 to 60. After 60, I don't expect to be making high income. So I protect, I insure my income with term life insurance. Let's say I wanted to go to 60. So let's say I have 10 years left. You know what my term life is going to be? 10 years. I don't need insurance at 15 when I'm 65. I don't need it when I'm 70. I've accumulated enough wealth that when I'm no longer earning income, I don't need that replaced. My assets will be earning the income for me. So it's, it's pretty easy stuff, but people stress over it. And I think that's where it gets difficult, and that's where people make bad decisions. In California, we meditate a lot. It's a big thing out here. Um, We enjoy a good massage during the holidays. We try to de-stress ourselves, because even though it is land of honey and plenty, it's a little stressful. And when you're tense, you get chronic pain, and you get fertility issues, and you get heart heart disease and type 2 diabetes. Um, Major health problems. It's honestly like um, some people will ask me like, hey, I've got a friend who works in radio. She has thirty to $40,000 and she's pushing 50. And I have to pull her aside and go, you need to work till the day you die. But also you should probably take care of your teeth because anytime you have a tooth issue, it's going to cost you about $5,000 and you only have 30,000. So you can only have like six teeth issues. Her retirement plan is like fixing her dental care. So work as long as you can. Not ideal to hear from me and brush your teeth and floss your teeth and see a dentist twice a year. And you're saying, really? So millennials are stressing that they're not saving enough money. Um, it's kind of a weird thing. I got to the point where I hit my number and I still wasn't comfortable because I still don't know what I'm going to do in retirement. At times I wanted to like train dogs. At other times I want to read you know, all the great literature, books of literature again. When I was between 12 and 20, I found a list of the top 100 books to read, and I read most of them. Um, Maybe I'd do that again. One of the things to do if you're not good with money is to look at a budget. How much are you spending? Um, If I wasn't saving enough money, I know this thing is not disgusting, but I would figure out a way to like eat ramen noodles every day. I ate ramen noodles in college because I didn't have a job. I had college, and it was cheap. But then you're like, do you know what that stuff does to your, your body? There's a picture, and I don't know if it's true or not. My kid has sent me, showed me a picture from YouTube or something about what ramen noodles looks like in your body a day after eating it. And it basically looks like this alien starfish. It looks like something from the movie Alien is sitting in your stomach. Oh my god, no way! Solidified, it's like three and a half feet long of noodles. It's a noodle monster. But... I would budget like I budgeted in college. I would find a better way of doing it. Maybe, you know, apples and oranges from my neighbor's trees. I know you're saying, you've stolen an orange. I've stolen an orange before. So budgeting is important. So watching where your money goes, uh, sometimes it goes out a little bit too fast. I save a lot. I'm going to tell this story until I'm tired of telling the story. About six to nine months ago, there's an app that everyone started to use. And it's all over Facebook. Uh, it's all over CNBC. And it's like the CNBC Acorns Challenge. 
So I took a look at it. I took a look at Robin Hood. I, I look at these for you. And uh, Acorns is kind of cool. It takes your credit cards, your debit cards, which I'm 100% online banking. I have I would prefer never to go into a, a, a location ever again. Although that's kind of used to be 25 years ago. Like That might have been an area where I kind of would try to flirt. <coughs> hey, what are you doing today? No what are you dropping by? You're pulling a lot of money out. What are you doing? Like, they're, they're, it was kind of nice to talk to people. But now I'm just like, kiosk is fine. And the fact that you can like deposit checks with Bank of America's app. I love it. I love it. So anytime I get a check in the mail, it's like, well. I'm like, I love it. I love it. I love it. So I, I take a look at some of these websites. and like Acorns. It rounds up. <coughs> Excuse me. I think I got the black lung pop. I think I'm getting the black lung pop. Invite five friends, get $250. So it's an app that's trying to say, like, hey, if you have friends and family, like, we're going to give you cash if you could, like, get them on the app and rounding up their acorns. I'm okay with that. I'm thinking about doing a radio show on the weekends, and one of the sponsors that I would look at is acorns. I don't see any flaw in that. Rounding up your spinning and automatically investing it. When Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, and Fidelity all said we're going to make trades free, oh, boy. Companies can now... Robinhood, they did trades for free a couple years ago. It's an app. It's fine. It hooks to your bank account. Today, you, me and Mike can go to lunch. Oh, Mike, this taco salad's awesome. The taco salad, was that a big thing on the West Coast? Because on the East Coast back in the 90s and 80s, taco salads were huge. And uh, just awful for you. But anyway, I'm totally digressing. Um, Acorns is fine. After about six, seven months, I now have about $3,400 in it, and it's just rounding up my purchases and investing in the market. And the TD Ameritrade, the Schwabs, the Fidelities who are making it free, a company like Robinhood, I could be at lunch today, and and uh, I could be talking to Mike, and Mike's like, hey, you should really try that taco salad. I'm like, I had it last month, and it, it gave me the El Diarrheas. And he's like, yeah, maybe not. But I heard there's a new company coming public next week called Lyft or Uber or Airbnb. I'm like, really? Let me see. I can, and I can buy it on my phone at lunch if I get a hot stock tip. Keep in mind, I don't take stock tips from friends. You can pick your friends. You can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. Same thing with stocks. And for the record, if anyone wants me to pick their nose and, and bust that meth that you can't do it, I'm in because I don't think it can technically be done. <laughs> Every cash reward that I get from credit cards, I save. It goes to returns my retirement. It doesn't go to like paying down my, my monthly payment. I save it because it's forced savings. Forced savings is a concept I like. You can look big picture and say 401k, 403, 457b. Lovely. But if you want to use an Acorns or a Robinhood or a mutual fund that you're, you're you know, doing an account withdrawal every month from your, your, your bank account or from your salary... I'm okay with that, too. I like forced savings. I think it's a great way to save so you can have fun this weekend. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshoe.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I may sound like a money grubber, a money grabber, uh, money's important to me. It's not. I drive a very humble truck. I wear very humble clothes, except for when I have to dress up, I can dress up well. 
you know, that spouse that you have, that's like, she's a house mother. And then like, there's that big special occasion. Like you, you dress up nice. Like, holy mackerel. I didn't know you had that. Whoa. I, I'm, I'm frugal. And I don't mind that. I spend money where I want to spend money when I travel. Um, cars to me are, it's more important to me to be able to like listen to business news or Howard Stern while I drive versus the car that I'm in. A friend of mine, I'm going to be honest with you. I saw him last night. He has a McLaren and like $250,000 car, roughly. I don't get it. So we were talking and philosophically I go, my kid wonders how much your car cost. Does your kid wonder how much your car cost? And, uh, I don't know. He just, it doesn't, he was struggling a little bit last night and I don't think money makes you happy. It helps. It's certainly better than not having it. That bull crap, even though we ain't got money. I'm so in love with you, honey. Every single day. Yeah, there's some truth to that, but not much. Finances can be a significant source of stress for people. And we talk about that on this show. This hour, we've talked about how you can't really expect it to be this glorious forever. China's going to catch us economically. Capitalism works, but we're moving more towards socialism. Socialism doesn't create the type of investment returns that capitalism does. And again, I I just think it's a slow chipping away. I'm not political. I'm not right wing. I'm not left wing. I'm not. I like moderation and moderation. Like, I'm I'm not all that crazy. But uh, yeah, I I think we could expect a little less. So I, I think you need to make your dollars go well. I haven't said this in a long time, so I'll say it again. Average American makes like fifty-four, fifty-five thousand dollars a year. But let's say you make a hundred thousand dollars a year. For over ten years, what is that? One million dollars. How much of that's going to go to the federal government? Twenty-eight percent. So suddenly, that one million has just become seven hundred twenty thousand. State government, ten percent. Suddenly, that seven hundred twenty percent thousand dollars just became sixty-two thousand dollars. I went way low on that. But you can see your dollar for dollar, your social security, your food, your rent, your housing is supposed to be about 28% of your income. So you take out 25% with the federal government, 10% for the state government, 10% for sales tax in California. So that's 45%. You add on another 28%, 73% of your money is gone before you even put food in your belly. And then I want you to save 15% or CFE, Chad Burton. You got to save 15% of your salary from day one. So suddenly we're like, you're down to 12%, 15, 20. No, you can't go to vacations on that. You can't buy cars. So you got to make your money last a little bit longer. And you have to make it really smart decisions, whether it's buying a car through Costco or buying a used car. Or for me, I buy a car that has incredible reliability and it's cheap to fix when it breaks down. I tend to buy Toyota in large part, not because I love the Japanese, I don't even know like who who makes my car. Is it made in America? Is it not made in America? I, I don't know. I don't really care. That's not my angle. For me, my angle is about with money. Toyota has used the same parts for years and years and years. You get a BMW, A, you're paying a lot for the sticker price, but you're paying through the nose anytime there's anything that needs to be fixed. So just some smart decisions. Because look at look at the the, the taxes. And it, it'll appall you to think about how little you actually have when push comes to shove. About a third of millennials, 35%, say that not having enough money saved is their top financial stress, followed by their career. 
followed by not planning and saving enough for retirement, followed by not being able to own a home. I'll be honest with you, millennials, as a Generation Xer, when I came to the Bay Area 25 years ago, roughly, I, I saw housing as a problem. I saw it as really, really expensive. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to get in. It's going to be really expensive. And when I see the salaries go down, that's maybe when I'm going to get out. Because salaries are what are tied heavily towards real estate prices. Wage inflation, in theory, has to keep up with housing inflation. It's somewhere close, in theory. But when housing prices explode, it's going to be a stressor. So anyway, um, what I would tell millennials is what I would tell a Generation X a cop came up to me 15, 20 years ago and He's like, well, here's what I did. He said, I can't afford a house as a, uh, as a police officer. And I'm like, that is so sad. Our police officers, our teachers, our firefighters can't afford the... And he goes, but I bought a house in Tampa and I'm renting it out. And one day when I'm retired, when I'm done beating up the, the thugs of Oakland or beating up the, the miscreants of San Francisco or beating up the tech executives of, of San Carlos. You will respect my authority. He's got a place to go, and his $60,000, $70,000, $100,000 salary here is more than enough to pay for that home, and then someone else pays for it, renting it from him, so he rents here, he bought there 20 years ago. It worked out okay for him. Does he wish he extended himself to a higher price ticket home here? Maybe, but he was working with what he got. He was working with, within his means, so he didn't get in over his head. People are pretty smart. Give us, give us credit, and, and we'll take you far. It's Rob Black. Trying to get you to retirement, you can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Listen to the CFP Chad Burton Show at newfocusfinancial.com. A lot of great downloadables. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Big seminar around the corner.